gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. May I be the first to officially wish you a Merry Christmas. Whatever brought you to Holy Communion this evening, we're glad that you're here. And some of you are here because your parents made you come. That's a good thing. It's good to build up political capital at home. You might need it later. Some of you are here because a sibling asked you to hear them sing in a choir. Some of you are here because it is Christmas and you are wandering and perhaps you feel a little awkward. That's okay. Whatever your emotional state, whether you are here ready to sing joy to the world or whether the quiet of silent night is more your tune, you are welcome. Whatever brought you here tonight, welcome. We're glad you're here. Merry Christmas. We know this story so well. Mary, Joseph, the angels and the shepherds, versions of the nativity have been painted on the windows of shops for weeks. Grandma's creche might have been carefully unwrapped from ancient tissue paper before being set up on the mantle. Earlier tonight, a diverse array of children presented our annual Christmas pageant, telling the story once more. We've heard and held, we've acted this story, we've sung this story, we know this story. So this night I want to ask just one question to all of you experts on the nativity, where? Where does this story take place? I think the answer to that question has the power to unlock the mystery of Christmas, the mystery of love coming among us. Where does this story take place? Tonight I want to examine just two facets of that question, the geographical, and the personal. Of course, the immediate geographic answer is right there in the text. In Bethlehem of Judea, the city of David, in Hebrew, the house of bread. And we can point to that place on a map. But since we know this story, I want to push the question a little more. The strata of the location and its meaning, the layers run deep. And Bethlehem today is a sort of Palestinian suburb of Jerusalem, walled off from Israel, guarded by checkpoints and high walls, razor wire. In the time of Jesus, Bethlehem was a farming and ranching community outside the provincial capital. An easy day's journey from the seat of power, it was at the edges, not the center of society. In the story we'll read in just a couple of weeks at the end of the Christmas season, the supposedly wise men get lost on their way to Bethlehem. They're looking for a king, and so they turn right when they see the palaces and temples of Jerusalem. They would think to look among the, t- little ha- the little houses and huts of Bethlehem. Location mattered in the time of Jesus, perhaps more than ever before in human history. Emperor Augustus, who in our text has declared that all the world should be registered, his star has risen in Rome. Augustus was a new kind of ruler, 
considered the first emperor. He transformed the Roman Republic into a monarchy. Augustus also created a new form of religion, emperor worship. He was not just the king of the known world. Augustus fancied himself divine. He required worship. He raised taxes on the poor to convert his capital into a marble-coated shrine to his deity. Thanks to the emperor, all the world would be oriented toward Rome. Provincial capitals like Jerusalem, the seats of governors and client kings, they were to reflect the glory of Rome, the power of the emperor. In a province like Syria, Palestine, far from the center, the reflection might be a bit shabby, but it was clear where the power resided and in which direction the local ruler pointed. If all roads led to Rome, Bethlehem was little more than a truck stop. Notice Jesus isn't even born in the center of the lesser town. No, there's no room, not even in Bethlehem. Tuesday this past week found me again in a laundromat, along with a number of volunteers from Holy Communion. And see, six months ago, a team from our church launched a little new ministry, Laundry Love. Every third Tuesday, we gather to build community in Classic Coin Laundromat just down on Balson. We pay for laundry, provide childcare and a little food. We also hope to engage neighbors in conversation, even laughter. Anyone is welcome to volunteer or to come do their laundry. We hope to take perhaps one of the worst chores and make it a little fun. We also hope to help lighten the burden on families making hard economic decisions in our neighborhood, if only for one night. This week, as I surveyed the washers and dryers, looked out over our group of volunteers, I thought, maybe this is where Jesus would have been born today. A laundromat would be a warm place to stop if there was no room down at the Holiday Inn. I could see Jesus laid in a laundry basket, carefully surrounded by warm towels given by the grannies who have just spent their last quarters on the dryer. Where could you imagine this story taking place today? Where does God act? Often far from the halls of power, among the least likely people at the edge of the edge. While the king would have us all worship him, while those in power build gold palaces, the king of kings is born in such an unlikely and out-of-the-way place and is celebrated by all the wrong people. The mystery of God's love, Christmas tells us, is not centered where the human systems of power would suspect. God's love does not emanate from Rome or from Washington, for that matter. God's love does not trickle down from on high. God's love is born among the shepherds and the vulnerable. That is the story we celebrate tonight. God's love comes among us and lifts up the lowly, the unacknowledged, the unheard. That is where God's love is born. I've already started leaning toward the second dimension of my question for Christmas. Where does this story take place? 
And the second dimension is personal. Where does this story take place for you? Where does the story take place for you? Maybe I could ask that question a bit differently. Where was your best Christmas? I suspect for most everyone, save maybe a few of the angels and shepherds from tonight's pageants, the question takes us back in time. We remember a Christmas past with fondness. I would caution that those memories have the tendency to get polished by age. We remember past Christmases better than we may have experienced them at the moment. This capacity we have to look back across years and geography, to remember the Christmases past, it can produce a special kind of longing. If you are longing this Christmas, if you are missing loved ones, or you are longing for a Christmas spirit as you once believed you knew that spirit, know that longing can be a blessing. Longing itself can help us search for where this story takes place. Brother Thomas Mattis of the Kamal Dalees has written about the nature of faith, of religion. In his diaries from his travels in India to visit one of his order's monasteries, you learn that Brother Thomas isn't the world's most traditional monk. As a young man growing up in California, before he became a Christian, he was initiated a Hindu. It's a very Californian story, a story of a young white man who first becomes Hindu, then converts to Catholicism. But Brother Thomas eventually joined the Kamaldolese Catholic order, became a monk, and he went to visit a monastery in India. Visiting that country, connected the two parts of his spiritual journey. In India, he finds a question that he believes is central to all religions. Which direction should I bow? Which direction should I bow? All religions are directional. They all point toward God. There's a reason we often talk about a spiritual journey. Faith is an orientation. If tonight you find yourself longing, you're in a good place to begin the journey, to begin walking. Longing brings us back to the original question, where, which direction? Tonight, for followers of Christ, the shepherds know the answer. Bow to the stable. Head toward that most unlikely place where God's love chose to dwell. Bow to the vulnerable little child entrusted to an unwed girl, still too young. Bow to that manger on the margins, off the road, outside the center, in that antic, cold, and frustrated night. There, where you'd least expect it, God's presence can be found. What if the where of this story is exactly the question we need this Christmas? What if all our worries about the fate of the world, the state of our own lives, could be relieved? What if, instead of looking for answers to come from the elite, the empowered, we turned down a different road? What if the power to change the world was in the hands of the most unlikely people? 
Where does this story take place? The answer is more complex and beautiful the harder you look. For in the end, today, the story can take place only in the hearts of all those who long for God. The love of God comes among us. Yes, even us. The answer to the question is up to you. Where will this story take place for you this Christmas? Amen.